Good morning, Woodmont. Welcome to worship. Would you please join me for a word of prayer uh, this morning? Loving God, open our hearts and minds that we can hear a word from you, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, this is election week. Uh, So far, over 75 million people have already voted uh, in this election, and uh, the rest of the folks will vote on uh, Tuesday, just two days from now. On election day at 12 noon, we want you to know that we are going to host a prayer vigil uh, for our nation, a prayer service. Farrell Mason is going to do that in our Garden of Prayer. It is a nonpartisan event. It is open to anybody who would like to come uh, pray for our country, uh, pray for our leaders, and also pray for those folks in our church that are struggling and that are having a hard time. And so we invite you to to come and and be a part of that. That's at noon uh, on November the 3rd, which is Election Day. If you remember the founders of Woodmont, uh, when they signed the covenant, once said that they want this church to be a house of prayer for all people. And so we want to continue uh, to make that a reality. So uh, join uh, that vigil on Tuesday at noon if you'd like. It's not a secret to uh, many of you uh, at this point that one of my uh, primary research and academic interests uh, is the intersection of faith and politics. And over the years, many people have asked me why. Uh, They say, well, do do you want to be a a politician? And I say, no, trust me, there's plenty of politics in the church to go around. But for as long as I can remember, the two things that you're not supposed to talk about in polite company, uh, religion and politics, have been the two things throughout my life that I have been the most interested in and that I've always uh, been quick to talk about. And and, and so this morning I wanted to uh, elaborate Uh, on that for just a a moment. Why do I find this topic uh, so interesting? The first reason is because I believe that political polarization and partisanship is one of the greatest threats to the 21st century North American church. And if we can't acknowledge it or talk about it, then we will continue to have liberal churches and conservative churches in this country, which is not what Jesus had in mind when he prayed with his disciples on the night that he was crucified that all would be one so that the world might believe. That's in John 14. Secondly, as I've already said in this fall sermon series, I am deeply concerned about what Arthur Brooks calls the culture of contempt that has deepened and grown in this society. Meaning we don't just disagree with each other, but we actually have contempt for the other side. And this is unhealthy and it's ripping families and and friendships apart. and, And that is not a good thing. Third, I'm interested and have been for some time 
in the basic moral foundations and life experiences that cause somebody to be liberal or conservative or moderate. And I actually teach a class on that at, at Vanderbilt University, uh, where we look at uh, the, the moral foundations, the life experiences that give somebody a particular political ideology. And I'm also very interested in how that can change over the course of somebody's life as they get older. And then lastly, the reason that this topic is so intriguing to me is because the decisions that are made in politics and with policy have lasting consequences for all of us. And so as a democracy, it only works, a democracy only works when people are informed and when they are paying attention to the issues that are being debated. So hopefully that helps you understand why this subject is so intriguing to me, why I did a doctorate in this field and, and why I continue to find it very fascinating. I continue to believe that the church must be a place where we can have civil conversations over important issues where we disagree. Because I believe that if we can't do that in the church, grounded by the love and respect of Jesus Christ, then, then where can that happen? And unfortunately, Christians on both sides of the political aisle have played a role in fueling the anger and the contempt that we now see in our nation and in our culture. I shared a quote with you last Sunday that I want to revisit. It, it comes from a new book uh, written by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. The book is titled Morality. And this is what Rabbi Sachs says. I want to lift this up again. He says, the market will be merciless. Politics will be deceiving, divisive, confrontational, and extreme. People will feel anxious and uncertain, fearful, aggressive, unstable, unrooted, and unloved. They will focus on promoting themselves instead of the one thing that will give them lasting happiness in life, which is making life better for others. People will be, by historic standards, financially rich, but emotionally poor. Freedom itself will be at risk from the far right and the far left. The far right dreaming of a golden age that never was, and the far left dreaming of a utopia that never will be. I found those words by Rabbi Sachs to be very intriguing and very true. This fall, we are continuing our sermon series called Common Ground, and we are studying the Sermon on the Mount. And today we come to Jesus's famous words about worry and anxiety. And frankly, I can't think of a, another passage in the Bible that is more fitting to look at just two days before a presidential election. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter six. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring troubles of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Are you worried this week? Are you worried that your candidate may not win the election? Are you worried that the crazy people on the other side might get their way? Are you worried that on election night we may not know who the president is going to be and it could go into a long court battle? Are you worried that we may not know who's going to be in control of the Senate? I have five thoughts to share with you as we begin this election week based on this passage from Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus talks about worry, fear, and anxiety. The first thought is this. If we keep looking to political candidates to be our savior in life, then we will continue to be very disappointed no matter who the president might be. We have one savior and his name is Jesus. And he tells us not to worry. He tells us that our heavenly father will take care of us no matter who is running the country. But unfortunately, too many people are Republicans or Democrats first and Christians second. But this is actually backwards. We are called to be Christians first and then Republicans, Democrats, Americans second. When we get this mixed up, it leads to all kinds of problems. When politicians become our saviors, we count on them to take care of all of our problems. And that's not good because they can't. They always disappoint. Jesus says, don't worry. God is going to take care of you. Quit getting so worked up over things that are worldly and fleeting. Is it okay to be passionate about the election? Yes. Is it okay to to care about the core issues that are being debated? Absolutely. But perhaps we should pay as much attention to what Jesus is saying as we do to what Donald Trump or Joe Biden or any other politician is saying. It's Jesus's words. It's his teachings, his parables, his life, his example that matters most. But we so easily forget this, especially during an election season. Secondly, this morning... It is absolutely foolish to let partisan politics rip apart the church community. Neither political party has a monopoly on the truth. Neither political party gets it right all the time. Neither political party has all the right answers. That's why we have both and and shades of each. 
That was the genius of our founding fathers and the genius of the Constitution. Whenever we go too far one way, we get pulled back in towards the middle. The checks and balances work. That's what's made this country great and such a wonderful place to live for so many years. And we should be thankful for that. But it is absolutely foolish to let political ideologies rip apart the church family. And I happen to believe that Woodmont Christian Church does a very good job of balancing that because I have seen it now for over 13 years. I think that we are bound together by the love of Jesus Christ and our political beliefs and opinions are secondary to that. And they should be. But let me tell you something. This church is in the minority. Most churches that I know lean very heavily one way or the other. They, they are either liberal or conservative. They are Republican or Democrat. But we are simply called to be the church. And we're bound together by the love of Christ and all the things that he teaches us and that he calls us to do. That is our common ground. That's what we've been talking about this fall. Third, in our passage today, Jesus is simply reminding us to trust God. He says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? In verse 30, he says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? We must get to a place in life where we trust in God and where we trust that everything is going to be okay. Having faith is never and will never be about everything in life working out the way that we want it to. We know that that simply doesn't happen. It will always be about trusting that God will take care of us no matter what happens, no matter what life brings, even on the other side of death itself. So we must never give up hope. We must never stop caring for and loving each other. Living a life of faith means trusting in God. And I'm going to tell you something. In a year like the one that we've had this year, where we haven't had a regular church format for basically eight months, we haven't gathered uh, for worship without masks in Sunday school since March the 8th of this year, in a year where you try to do things as a church and everybody says, you can't do that, people might get sick. You can't do that, people might get sick. In a year where we are emotionally exhausted and tired and stressed, we have to live our lives in faith and not in certainty. James says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We must trust that things are going to be okay even when it feels like they aren't. That's what it means to live in faith. Life does not work out the way that you want it to, the way that I want it to, but God is still going to take care of us. Fourth, after this election is over, 
I believe that we all must do everything in our power to work hard to change our culture of contempt because it's a problem. In his book, Love Your Enemies, that I recommended back at the beginning of this series, Arthur Brooks uh, says, we don't have an anger problem in America, we have a contempt problem. While anger seeks to bring somebody back into the fold, contempt seems to exile them, seeks to exile them. It attempts to mock and shame and permanently exclude from relationships by belittling, humiliating, and ignoring. So what does this look like, practically speaking? I think it means finding somebody or somebodies who have different politics from you and sitting down and listening to them. It doesn't mean that you will change your mind. It doesn't mean that you will change your convictions. It just means that you will form a new relationship with somebody who sees the world differently and you will gain mutual respect for each other. Contempt is not healthy. It ruins marriages. It ruins friendships. And if we aren't careful, it can ruin a great country that we all love. So we need to ask ourselves, are we part of the problem or are we going to be part of the solution? I don't know about you, but no matter who wins this week, I want to be part of the solution. I want to build a healthier society where people listen to and respect each other, not where they demonize and dehumanize and attack each other. Lastly, this morning, my fifth and final point. In our text this morning, Jesus gives us an incredible piece of advice that we often overlook to live our lives one day at a time. He simply says this in the final verse, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring troubles of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. So live one day at a time. It's all we can do. The present is all that we have. So go and vote on Tuesday if you haven't already. And then stop worrying about it. Whatever is going to happen will happen. Your person may or, or, or may not win. We may or may not know who the winner is on Tuesday night. But it's not Donald Trump and it's not Joe Biden that we turn to as our savior, it's Jesus Christ. And Jesus is telling us, live your life in the present. Tomorrow will bring its own troubles. Today's trouble is enough for today. Stop worrying. It's not healthy. I hope Woodmont will always be a church that focuses on Jesus first and then politics second. I hope that Woodmont will always be a church that trusts that God is in control. I hope that Woodmont will be a church that seeks to make this culture of contempt better as we move forward. And no matter what happens this week, no matter who wins or who doesn't win, remember we only get to live our lives one day at a time. I wanna close this morning 
with what is a famous quote by a guy named Alex de Tocqueville. And if you remember, Alex de Tocqueville was a Frenchman who visited America back in 1831, 1832. He traveled around the country, and then he wrote that famous two-volume work called Democracy in America, in which he says this. I sought the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. I sought the greatness and genius of America in her fertile fields and boundless forests, but it was not there. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her rich mines and her vast world commerce, and it was not there. I sought the greatness and genius of America in her public school system and her institutions of learning, and it was not there. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her Democratic Congress and her matchless Constitution, but it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, then she will cease to be great. Amen.